victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Kids dream big. Protect your child's dreams by keeping them healthy. If your son or daughter is age 11 or 12, the American Cancer Society recommends giving them the HPV vaccine to help prevent HPV cancers later. Learn more at cancer.org slash dream big. Well, good morning and welcome to Saturday in the studio. I'm Tom King and we are joined here in the studio by Merle Kelch, Kelch and Associates in Wausau. As we get ready for Packer playoff football this afternoon, you can get some of your financial questions answered first. Like, what, well, is, yeah. what is a what is a share of Packer stock actually worth? Uh, nothing. <laughs> yeah, I think we all know that. <laughs> Hang it on the wall and just be proud yeah, that you're it, a part uh, yeah, you're a just, part owner in the Green you're Bay. You're part Packers. of history. Yeah, that's pretty much it. I get that one quite a bit. Saying, "Well, who are the owners of the Packers?" That well, nobody. Well, what if the Packers sell a very rich VFW? You know, so. Yeah, I think uh, that's what a, it is. It's uh, the yeah, service yeah, organizations. Yeah. Get, if it ever happens, uh, the VFW, and I don't know what Pulse it is, is is uh, set to uh, receive the money if the Packers ever sell. Uh, you know what? And what a brilliant move because uh, as a result of that, they don't have any uh, owners' money coming on that whole bit, and they're able to reinvest. Well, it's the only way the Packers would have survived in a market yeah. as small as Green Bay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you know, yeah. uh, boy, what a what a great gig! And we're gonna have some fans here today. I understand too. Yeah, say about six thousand fans. Yeah, six thousand, six thousand fans. I think a little, or maybe a little over. Um, and you know, lots of uh, protocols in place. But yeah, some fans in the stands today for the game, and we'll have it for you today. Pregame show at one o'clock this afternoon here on WSU. Yeah, my friend, I think this is the perfect time of the year to have a Packers game and have everybody come because everybody's gonna be wearing a mask. Yeah, it's that time of the year. Well, I I think we can make it kind of easy. And it's not really gonna be that cold. It's gonna be thirty-two degrees. So yeah, the tundra won't even be frozen really. I mean, yeah. uh, Well, they warm up the field. Team from Los Angeles coming in. You expect it to be really cold on you know January sixteenth. You know, back when I played, uh, the field <laughs> back, was back when you went to the ice bowl. You and um, yeah, I went to the ice hole. Me and five hundred thousand people 000 in Wisconsin people. went to the ice bowl. We just left Woodstock. We went over to the ice bowl, and uh, you're not old enough for any of that stuff. <laughs> well. Uh, I did play, but it was darts. I didn't say the rest of the story. Phone lines are open here, 715-845-2155. Jim Kramer had some interesting comments after the market uh, finished the week down on Friday. He said, when an event occurs and the market gets exactly what it wants, but nothing more, it's treated as a reason to sell, not to buy. And he says Mm -hmm. he views the coronavirus stimulus package proposed by President-elect Biden uh, as what the market expected. And so... That's why there was uh, no big rally on Thursday and Friday that, all right, this is what we expected to happen, and so it's going to be business as usual. Um, yeah, there's there's truth to that. There's a couple of articles that, that pop out a little bit differently from the opinion um, from uh, Jim Cramer, and I like Jim Cramer a great deal. But in this one, <clears throat> there's a lot of people uh, that are asking the questions and saying, well, okay, so that's another stimulus bill. At what point do we hit stimulus fatigue is what I kept reading in a number of articles this morning. So, you know, at some particular point in time, you can keep giving people stimulus, but you got to get the economy going as the, the general consensus that's going through. So one way or another, the 1.9% that was uh, announced had a couple things on the inside that the marketplace didn't like. Um, one of them is, is some, and I'm, I'm, I, I heard the number, I haven't read it, some $350 billion that's going off to, again, New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, these companies that were sunk before COVID um, to help bail them out again. And so that means that you and I, the people listening, Tom, you too, um, our tax dollars are going into cities that weren't run right. Um, and, and a lot of people don't like that idea. Um, you know, when, when you have a, a city like Chicago that if you retire, you get $300,000 a year in a salary um, uh, for being uh, uh, not the, the governor. 
Um, it just seems like it's wrong that you and I, Tom, are having to bail that city out. You know which state? Now, the COVID prices, COVID expenses, that makes sense to me, uh, you, but not the other side. You know which state gets the most federal funds uh, per capita? Who's that? That would be Mitch McConnell and Rand Paul's Kentucky. Beautiful. And they get a lot more back than they pay in. So the people in Chicago and New York and Los Angeles can say, we're paying in, and our money is getting sent to these states that don't pay in as I'm not much. talking about the redistribution. I'm talking about just the poor management of- But, okay. Yeah, your, your, city, your city takes an X, and you're spending X times three yeah. on stuff that doesn't make any sense. All right. I wanted to talk a little bit about another thing that uh, Jim Cramer talked about, uh, looking for opportunities in the coming week. He, he apparently puts out a game plan for the week mm-hmm. if you're looking at- uh, going after particular individual stocks. The market is closed on Monday for Martin Luther King Day. But on Tuesday, he says Bank of America and Goldman Sachs are two you should be looking at. And uh, Jamie Dimon had some interesting comments uh, yesterday as well, talking about the pressure that the big banks are under from what he calls fintech, these financial tech companies that are trying to take over some of the things that banks traditionally do, mm-hmm. whether it's PayPal or whether it's uh, some of these other smaller Short-term companies. Loans, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, he says that the big banks should be scared bleepless about what's going on sure. in this situation. So what, what do you look at as far as the financial sector then, as far as uh, being a big part of your portfolio at this well, point? Well, I've, I've always been a big fan. If I'm going to invest inside of a bank, I want to invest inside of a bank that can move quick on its heels. Um, so I've always been a big fan of Jamie Dimon. I mean, that guy's a, he's smart. He knows what he's doing. Um, he and I may not be on the same uh, same page from a political standpoint, but um, he knows how to run a company, which is uh, fantastic from that standpoint. So, so you look at this going way way back, way back, Tom. And I shouldn't say way back. They're still here, but like the car loans and the payday loan places. These places were making eighteen, nineteen, a hundred percent returns on that cash that they had. had. That's just so un- that's just unconscionable, that but that's another that's well, another topic. It was legal. We are humans. We take advantage of stuff. That's what we do as, yeah. a, as a race. Take advantage of others' misfortune. <clears throat> well, yeah. <laughs> that that's not a good thing, Tom. This goes right back to you know young men when we're uh, you know uh, go around chasing girls in a bar. What do we do? We buy them drinks. Why? Okay. I mean, this is what humans do. We take All advantage right. of stuff. All right. And so eventually, that sort of stuff we you know that goes through and. You know, in, in all these different companies that have these little bit of a niches from a finance standpoint, um, it pops up. Eventually, regulation steps in and says, oh, all right, you're not getting that percentage. It be something less. But but he's right. All these these small fintechs that are going in there uh, make sense. Walmart just opened up a fintech company this uh, this past week. And, and, and I think we have to look at those companies that have the ability to do it because you get a higher interest rate, a higher rate of return that's on your money. Now, the problem is, is, is where the default rate is going to happen. You know, we're entering a time right now where uh, things are kind of on the fence, at least in my opinion, of saying, where do we go? Do we have an economy that's going to expand or do we have an economy that's going to get worse? Um, and if they get worse, we're going to end up having higher default rates even on these fintechs. And so you have to look at it and say, if we're going to invest inside of something that's fintech, what are they going to have their back, backbone to be able to recover in case something happens? You know, a lot of companies, is, uh, you know, some of the um, higher interest companies uh, that are you know, sub, uh, sub-borrowing, um, you know, they're having 25 30%, 35% uh, default rates. They start getting over that, you, know, you can't. And well, that's the reason you get the higher interest rates because of the higher defaults. But I'd watch that stuff. I would rather go with a big bank, such as a Chase, and I'm not telling you to go run up by Chase, folks. I'm just simply saying that's been their experience uh, that has the ability to, uh, uh, to change quickly and to do some of these things versus a smaller bank who might be getting into this and leaving themselves way too unexposed. 
are unexposed, leaving well, themselves way too exposed. There we go. One of the other sectors he talks about for later in the week, IBM and Intel, mm-hmm. um, high-tech uh, companies like that. Uh, what makes them so attractive at this point in time, do you think? Well, um, they're both going to the same goal. Um, Intel just had some great news this past week. Um, they're both going, they, along with um, IBM, I'm sorry, IBM is one of them uh, we talked about, Intel, IBM, Microsoft, Apple, Google, they're all going to that same thing, which is quantum computing. They're all, they're all going for that. Uh, and you catch a lot of threads and reading, you know, hear it on TV, that, that, that IBM seems to be uh, moving that direction a lot better than others, and that's not my opinion, just kind of the rumors that you hear. Um, but the, the big thing in here between the two is that the stocks have been kind of blah because the companies have been kind of mature. IBM missed a number of, of I'm sorry, Intel missed a couple of, of chip designs. Um, and I don't know the exact number of layering folks, and so don't get me on this particular part. It's been a couple of months since I've read the uh, the articles. but So I'm, I'm just going to use the number seven, Tom, and so here we go. So IBM was supposed to come out with its number seven, which is some sort of seven layering. Maybe it was nine. Who cares? Anyway. Um, they're supposed to come out with it in January. They missed. And this was January of 20. Uh, they missed. They said, well, we got some production problems. We come out, come out with that chip. They brought so, in a new CEO, too, at this point. <clears throat> yep, and that's and that's the big news for this past week. So they came. were supposed to come out with the chip a few months later. They didn't do it. In the meantime, you had um, uh, AMD and others that came through with an eight-layer chip and leapfrogged them. And so now those chips are going. And so now Intel is coming out with a chip that, one, is behind the game, um, and it's still late. So as a result then, Intel went back, and I forgot his name, but they went back and hired somebody who was an officer and a designer in the past, um, brought him back as a CEO to try to get the company going. So so with that, from his experience in the past, and boy, I want to say it's like a mix something name. You probably have the name here. But um, uh, nonetheless, uh, people are kind of excited saying, well, you know, it's a large company. It's big. They've got a lot of resources, and now they have somebody coming back in who knows how to uh, run the company because he's been here before. I think that's one of the reasons we're going to see Intel go up. Um, of the two, I think I'd prefer Intel over uh, over IBM at this point. One of the other uh, sectors he likes is railroads. And, you know, I, we've talked in the past how Warren Buffett liked railroads as well. Mm-hmm. But when most investors are looking at putting together a portfolio, I would think, unless you're playing Monopoly and want the B&O in the, in the, in the short line, uh, railroads really don't enter, in, enter, in, enter into your thinking at this point, do you? But maybe well, they I'm should. Well, I'm they do it to me, but... Yeah. Uh, uh, by the way, there's a there's a, um, a collectors that are out there called uh, it's called Scripophily, and it's collect old retired stock certificates. Uh huh. Those uh, ornate uh, oh, yeah. things oh, the, that you can frame and hang on the wall. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just beautiful stuff. And so I'm one of those weirdos. I actually own the Monopoly stock certificates. So just because I'm a weirdo. The what, what the, the, the companies that Monopoly talks about on the board, or yeah, oh, yeah, so you've yeah. got you've got a stock certificate for, for all Baltic the, yeah, Avenue all and no, no, the the stock the railroads, like, the railroads, railroads of the electric yeah, company. Yeah, I okay. also have this thing called White Star Lines. Um, <laughs> if you uh, put it in the water, it runs into stuff. It's yeah, there really, you go. It's kind yeah, of interesting. The, for those who don't know, White Star was the uh, line that had the Titanic. <laughs> yeah, right, that's no, pretty okay. cool. Um, so so um, anyway. Um, in here, I, I I derailed myself. So where do we railroads? Go? Oh yeah, railroads. Well, you you think about this, and folks, this goes way back to investments one hundred and one, and and I think it's kind of important for us to chat about this uh, a second. <clears throat> Excuse me, um, simply because so many people, when they look at the stocks today, especially right now, um, boy, uh, my millennial friends, it seems like all they want to buy is 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 Tesla and Facebook and and uh, the Fang stocks. 
don't get me wrong, they've gone up and they've gone up just a mountain this past year. Holy cow. But when you look at putting a portfolio together, you usually want to have, if you're going to have individual stocks, about a dozen stocks, according to the Ross and Black's options pricing models, you take out about 80% of losing all of your money if you go to about a dozen different stocks. The other part of that is that you also then um, diversify into multiple investment groups in different types of sectors. Uh, they actually call them SIC or SIC codes. And so if you look at it, Tom, so you typically want to go someplace that's developing the stuff, uh, a place that's building the stuff, a place that's marketing the stuff, a place that's banking the stuff, and a place that's distributing the stuff. And so that's how you can generally look at a portfolio and go around. And the one place that needs to distribute stuff all over the world are railroads. And so railroads um, are doing a tremendous job, especially if you're a railroad that's going from the south to the north, uh, tends to do very well. Why? Because there's all kinds of ports around Louisiana, Texas, and that whole bit where uh, stuff and goods are coming in, and it's bringing it north. There's a lot of stuff that goes east to west of trucks, too, but uh, that tends to be the best, picking the stuff from the south and bringing it up to the mid part of the country and then trucking out. So I like the railroads. All um, right. I always have. 715-845-2155. And the last one on his list for the week is a company called Schlumberger, which makes oil and drilling and... Uh, Schlumberger. Is that what it is? Oh, yeah. Is that, the, is that uh, French company? It's like the It's new from f- France? It's well, Fragili from France? I'm, I'm not really sure about that or if they make anything good to drink, but it sounds good. Schlum. What is it? Schlumberger. Schlumberger. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They provide technology for uh, the oil and gas industry, drilling, production, and processing. Mm-hmm. And we've talked. You've talked about it in the past how if you were going it's to invest back, in yeah. the energy uh, yep. sector, this would be the place you would do it. Yeah, I'm a I'm a big fan of of uh, oil distribution. And um, people will say, well, Merle, how come we don't like you know the guys that are drilling holes and, and sucking the stuff out of the ground? Mm-hmm. Well, um, because if I'm having to sell the oil now, I'm dependent upon what the price of the oil is. Um, I'm a big fan of the companies that um, are distributing the oil because it doesn't matter what's happening. If there's something running through their pipeline or through their distribution center, they're making money. It doesn't matter what the price is. So it doesn't matter if oil is at $50 a barrel or $20 a barrel. It still costs, I'm making up a number, $3 a barrel to run it through the system and move from place A to place B. And so the technology inside of that, um, Halliburton is big in this. Uh, Schlumberger is big on this. Um, so we look at these uh, various companies that are doing that. They tend to do well when we start selling oil abroad and so forth. With the oil prices starting to go up, it's now again becoming profitable for us to in America uh, to start selling oil. Um, we're starting to see oil wells come back online. Now, what's interesting about this, Tom, is 50, 75 years ago, when you had an oil well that came online, that was it. You couldn't shut it off. Um, it was It was pumping oil. Um, you really couldn't shut it off because of the pressures underneath. We didn't know how to do it. Now we have the ability to start the wells. And when oil prices come down, oh, we're just going to shut the wells off. We just have the ability to shut them off and cap them and hold on to it. So the oil prices go up, we turn the stuff on, we start getting it back out again. The big place that I like, and even Jim Cramer talked about it this past week, is still natural gas. I'm, I'm still a big fan of natural gas, and we are, by every measure, folks, the Saudi Arabia times two of natural gas around the world. Uh, we have started shipping liquefied natural gas around the world. Uh, we started doing that over the course of these past several years. And, and why is that? Well, if we are going to go to this clean energy model that, <clears throat> excuse me, so much um, that we talk about, we have to have a place they're calling it a bridge fuel to get us there. So if we're going to stop coal, uh, we need to have something that's cleaner than coal to get us to something that's entirely clean. And natural gas is said to be that thing. And we have so much of it, we can do it inexpensively. And so that's where I would look is if companies that have the ability to not only either liquefy or but to transfer 
um, natural gas longer distances. Um, and so when you have the tech companies like Schlumberger and others, um, that's some of the stuff that they do. And I really think that's uh, that's going to be a great direction over the course of the next five, ten years. All right. We need to take a break here. Phone lines are open. If you have a question for Merle, give us a call. We'll be right back on WSAU. Some of the best sounds you'll ever hear are generic, safe, effective, even money-saving, just like FDA-approved generic drugs. Even if they don't come in the exact same color or shape as their brand name equivalents, they have the same key ingredients and go through a rigorous review process. Talk to your doctor or pharmacist today and visit fda.gov slash generic drugs. Generics are safe, effective, and can save you money. You'll like the sound of that. All right, crew, let's get her dug. And we're back in the studio. I'm Tom King, Merle Kelch, Kelch and Associates in Wausau. And uh, every week I ask you the question at some point in the show, what are your clients asking you about? And uh, so what do you have this week for us? Well, this week they ask if I color my hair. (laughs) And your answer was? Uh, No, I don't. Uh, Tom, you know what it's like to be my age and have this much dark black hair like this? It's just... Well, it's horrible. I don't it, look the, my age. The reason yeah. why they, they think you might be is yeah. because your goatee is almost all gray. So you um, know. I, I color that gray. I, I yeah, see. <laughs> I see. Got it. Uh-huh. You know, the number one question. Just I've been for getting, old men is the product that you use there, right? Well, yeah. 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 It just, you know, just bleaches a little bit. You okay. know? So I like to say it's not gray. It's just uh, light blonde is the, uh, the term we go. So, you know, folks, the number one question we've been getting, uh, obviously, since the election, and especially since the inauguration is coming. Um, obviously, from the election, so many people had expected, and a, a bulk of people on Wall Street throughout the course of uh, CNBC were expecting the marketplace to come out 800 to 1,000 points. We saw the stock market actually go up um, uh, along the way and uh, has actually not had a bad rate of return over the course of the last couple of weeks, uh, down, of course, a, a bit this week. But um, that said, we then come around and say, well, okay, what's going to happen after the inauguration? And so uh, with it, um, uh, one, of the, uh, one of my favorite economists, uh, Brian Westbury, out of First Trust in Chicago, came through and he has, and uh, of course, Tom, the old guy thing, I have to pull it closer and make it bigger so I can see it. Um, but in here, he went through and talked about what their expectations are as far as the taxes throughout the course of this next year. And so the things that kill economy, folks, we talked about it before, is rising fuel prices that go up too much and as well as rising taxes. Those things kill an economy almost every single time. And so with it, um, I'm going to pick out of here, but I'm reading uh, uh, roughly the stuff that comes in their article. But um, so what they're looking at is uh, throughout the course of, of this past year, uh, I'm sorry, of course, this next year, um, they said because they have the thin majorities inside of the House and the Senate, um, some of the stuff they're not going to be able to do because it's going to require 60 votes, 60 votes, some things that they have expectations that they can do through special procedures that they only need a, um, a large number of votes as far as uh, just a, the largest number. And so with it, with it they're looking at, uh, first of all, um, the taxes, uh, where do we go here? I forgot my spot. Here we go. All right. So looking up at the top tax break, and this, they, this is the thing, one that um, um, uh, uh, Brian Westbury feels that can happen relatively easy, which is going to take the top tax break back up to uh, 39.6% from 35. Um, it's really not going to have that much of an effect. It's such a small percentage of the population. They're not going to like it. But uh, this one's going to pretty much be a slam dunk to get this one done. The second part, which I think is the one that's going to have the biggest effect on everything, is a corporate tax rate. 
Yeah, the corporate tax rate for uh, 20-some years was 35%. And during that 35%, through multiple, both Democrat and Republican presidencies, it really killed the American uh, corporation because corporations were leaving America because we were one of the highest corporate tax rate countries. We came back down to 21% in 2017. And now it appears as though or the, it's believed to believe it's going to uh, be lifted up to 28%. I'm not sure if that's necessarily a good idea, but it's certainly not going to help the economy grow if it's the case. But let's say that that happens uh, next month, Tom, um, uh, which it probably won't. Um, uh, but if it happens next month, um, it's still going to take a year or so before that starts settling into the economy before it becomes some sort of a problem. Um, so in here, uh, we then go to uh, what's going to happen with the uh, personal income rates. And it looks like the personal income tax rate, uh, which um, is currently at 20%, is going to go up to 24 And so this whole conversation, we're not going to tax anybody above 400000 um, They don't believe it's going to be the case. It's going to the 20% is going to go to the 24% rate. And so that way, most of us that are listening will probably have to pay more taxes um, as a result of that. See, but that's not what we heard at all from people. I mean, that, that, that I don't know where they're <laughs> yeah. getting that information from because— Yeah, this, uh, is, this is literally for- coming out of the, the governmental offices, so— um, but the other part that is proposed um, or expected is that um, the current estate tax, which is at $11.6 million, which means, Tom, you can give $11.6 million to your kids and so can your wife. Alan and I talk about this all yep. the time, that it, it affects maybe one person within the sound of our voice. Yeah, and it looks like that's going to come down to six to $7 million. <laughs> Still not going to affect uh, almost everyone around here. Well, the part I always look at estate taxes is that um, uh, it really doesn't matter so much because the people are dead. They complain less, and so they like to go into that stuff. What's interesting to me, though, is that— is, And they don't vote. And, uh, well, maybe. Well, they do, they do <laughs> for love, the Democratic Party. That was a party. fastball right across the middle for you. Go ahead. <laughs> no, take a big cut I've at it. I've already hit it. You, were just too, you missed. All right. Yeah, okay. Um, you know, there were eight, ten thousand. 10,000. No, no, no. Don't even start sharing that stuff now. Let's go. What? It was too easy. Uh-huh. All right. I'm just trying to be nice. Mm-hmm. All right. So the, the difficult part here is, is uh, like anything else, the government gets in there and starts getting lower and lower. And so we could, I hope we don't see that come down to a uh, you know, million or $2 million because that could affect a lot of people um, as you go through. And so those are the things that we see coming up. But now the part that's about this is that uh, we remember the Biden administration said they wanted to do this day one when they got in. They wanted to start dropping these tax breaks. But we don't believe that's going to be the case. And so this is, again, going back to uh, first trust with uh, Brian Westbury. And and I had actually said this myself too, but we don't think it's going to happen on January 1, 21, if they want to do this with the unemployment rate still high, COVID still there in recovery. We don't think it's going to happen because I think one of the, the dumbest things that the current administration could do would be to change it and to cause well, I mean, obviously, they, they've got other stuff they need to deal with first. Yeah. I mean, um, they're going to be dealing with the, the vaccine rollout and yeah. all of this other stuff. Um, and so with that being the case, um, uh, the expectation is for this to continue on to January 2022 um, by the time they start getting some of these things done. You say that, 2022, that really you know, spins the tongue around. So that's the expectation. So um, I think that's the way to go. Um, I know the announcement yesterday was um, for $1.9 trillion, pardon me, to go for uh, COVID relief again. Uh, we'll see what happens with that when it starts going through the, the Senate and House over the course of this next week. Um, uh, I'm sorry, next uh, couple of weeks. And then uh, finally on here, which is kind of interesting to me, is that uh, the estimations were, we're putting about 700,000 shots into the arms currently. Um, I saw the administration say that uh, the upcoming administration said they want to put in uh, 100 federal uh, uh, locations to put more shots inside of the arms. 
Um, by the time they get there, we're already going to be at the million per day, which is what he wanted to do, was to do a million throughout the course of his first 100 days. So he better do something more, otherwise the, we're already going to collapse. The problem number. we're finding now, as we're hearing this morning on the news, is that the federal vaccine supply is non-existent, that they have sent out all of the vaccine that they purchased, and uh, the states are saying, we don't have enough, and we want more. And the feds are saying, sorry, there isn't any more, at least right now. So well, the, the, the ramp up, yeah, the ramp up is, is being done. Uh, interviews that occurred throughout the course of Thursday and Friday, we heard about with Moderna and Johnson. They said, we're, we're building it and we're ramping up and keep building more and more, and it's shipping out. What I look at is, you see, uh, Louisiana, when I was down there throughout in the beginning of the month, they were starting on the Monday after we were leaving. They were saying, if you're 70 or older, go to... Uh, go to Walgreens or CVS and get your shot. Other places are using football stadiums <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, huge and, parking and, lots to have you know get as many people yeah, as they I, can. I, I just look at, but I, you got to have the virus. You got to have the vaccine in order to get that yeah, done. It, to me, it feels like we're failing in Wisconsin. It seems like we're not getting it done, even though we're we're putting shots in the arms. It just seems like we're not getting enough out there and, and information, which has been consistent, in my opinion. But. All right, we're going to take a break for some news. We'll come back with more. If you have a question for Merle, give us a call. We'll be right back on WSAU. I'm Andrew Saul, Commissioner of Social Security. Beware of telephone scammers pretending to be government employees. Real Social Security employees will never threaten you. Call is threatening you. Come together and stand together to serve our veterans. We stand strong, united. Stand with us in caring for our veterans. And we're back here in the studio. I'm Tom King, Merle Kelch, Kelch and Associates in Wausau. Oh, you caught me again. <laughs> Every week. Well, Every week. Should, we do you, the, should, you should we, give me a minute. We do the uh, we do the disclaimer at the same time in every show. And yeah, but we're busy talking week. about guns, Tom, and important <laughs> things, you know. And, well, first of all, folks, uh, we're, as I'm heading this up and popping this up, and we'll, we'll get there relatively soon here. And, you uh, wanted, here to, is. We got this you wanted to talk about value stocks, and we'll get to that in just a second after uh, you uh, this, yeah, read right. all the rules here. All right. The, opinion, the opinions voiced in this program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations to any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your attorney, accountant, financial advisor, or tax advisor prior to investing. This show contains forward-looking statements that may not come true. Securities and Investment Advisory Services offered through HBEC Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC, HBEC Incorporated, and Kelch and Associate Unaffiliated Companies. And folks, this program is intended for Wisconsin residents only. When Maybe some, you needed like a club and just hit me, you know, 30 or seconds ahead we, of time. I suppose we could record it and I could just play it. Uh, well, that's not over as here. much fun, though. Right. Um, when, you, when you hear the word value, and most people hear the word value, they think something that is uh, on sale or something they can get a good deal on mm-hmm. or. Um, other people hear value and they say, I'm going to spend a little more and get value out of a product instead of buying something mm-hmm. cheap. When we're talking about value stocks, what does the word value mean? Well, what's kind of interesting is as I'm sitting here, my brother Bill just texted me and talk about value. Um, I sold him a truck that had about 280000 He's put like another two hundred on it. Now that's value. <laughs> so Bill, if you're listening, there you go. Um, he did fix his tailgate. He pushed the rust back in and flattened it out because it was sticking out. And, you know. Rust has got to hold it together, right? Well, it's, yeah. it's certainly it's all that's left. Yeah. Um, so in here, you know, we think about a, a value on stocks. And, and when you look at a portfolio, you try to match up your um, uh, things that have negative correlations like U.S. and international and growth and value and all that kind of stuff. And, and growth and value is one of them that a lot of people miss. So a growth stock in the name makes sense because it's a stock that somebody believes, for one reason or another, that stock has done the right things to have some great growth going out in the future. Well, a value stock is a little bit different. Um, a value stock is a stock that somebody believes that that stock went on sale, exactly as you said, Tom. 
that stock prices lower than what it should be for one reason or another of that industry, that industry group. Um, and as a result of that, you have the ability to buy that stock at a better price than you would someplace else. There's a couple of value investors you might know the names of. Um, one of them is called Warren Buffett. I'm not sure if you heard their name. He always tries to find a deal someplace. And so you find a deal somewhere in a good quality company uh, that's price is lower than what it's supposed to be. You have the ability to buy it and then run with that price as it comes back out again. So value stocks throughout the course of, geez, you know, the last several years um, have just not been hitting it out of the park like anybody else and certainly been beat up this past year because anything growth or technology oriented has just went up like a rocket. And so as a result here, um, there's an article by Steve Goldstein that says value stocks are about to come out of their coma, uh, says index fund powerhouse Vanguard. Um, and so they talk about you know just what's happened with the, with the value stocks over the years. Um, and it's estimated that some $6.2 trillion in assets under management um, with the Vanguard Group um, has uh, time to absorb a few arrows, um, but they tend to be value-oriented. So now, obviously, that something if, that becomes a value stock is not going to could not stay a value stock. It's going to there's going to be different companies that have the term value stock attached to them. Unless you're watching the market every day, if you're going to invest in these, you're going to have to do it probably with mutual funds. Are there mutual funds made up of value stocks and are yeah. traded regularly to move oh, new sure. ones in and the old ones out? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and what's interesting is, is Tom, you might have XYZ company that you think is a growth stock. I might think it's a value stock. And it could be the same stock. And so there's no moniker that gives uh, you know, the, the name and says, oh, if we see this, we know that's a growth stock or value. It's not it. You know, if we take a look at what we just talked about, Intel, we just talked about it earlier today. I'm just using this as an example. Some people think it's a great growth stock going forward and it's a great thing to think. I think it's a value stock because they made some missteps, but I think they'll go forward. And so with it, um, you just have to look at who has done a really good job in that sort of stuff for a long period of time. And value stocks, it doesn't matter whether it's small, mid, large, value stocks have been in there and they've been a bit underperforming throughout the course of the last couple of years. And I think it's their time as well. If you don't have value stocks inside of your portfolio, um, you may want to get into that. Because if we start seeing, which in my opinion is inevitable, we'll start seeing the slowdown of your FANG stocks. We'll see the slowdown of their growth and their rise that the stock price has gone up. Not because they dislike the stocks, it's just that the rise of their stock price isn't consistent in keeping up with the profit that they have. And so as a result of that, we'll start seeing those slowing down and we'll look, say, well, geez, where are we going? And these tend to start to see the value starts, stocks start to pick up. And so in that, port, in that part of your portfolio, if you don't have it, chat about it, talk to your financial advisor and say, hey, do I have some value stocks on the inside of here? Uh, largely, uh, throughout the course of this year, if anything was oil and gas related, um, it became a value stock because the prices went down. Um, we're looking at some stocks, and I can't say the name of the stock, and I'm not going to rend- recommend it, but some big-name oil stocks that have just stunk all year. We look at their numbers, and their stock prices come down based upon their profit going up, and all of a sudden they're paying a 6% dividend. It's not that they increased their dividend they did anything different. did anything differently. It's just that their stock price came down so much that the dividend they've been paying now comes to be about 6%. As you're looking at, geez, that's a pretty good sale. Huh, that makes it a value stock. And it's one of the lists on many value stock uh, uh, mutual funds uh, 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 things. And so if I look at this, you know, if I'm going to invest, and I, and I like mutual funds because it allows me to have better uh, diversification because I'm kind of a nut that way. But I would certainly look at using a value mutual fund because you're going to get a lot more stocks out of there versus you and I trying to figure out which stocks might be the best or the worst, Tom. Uh, let's let the fund managers do that job, and we'll do things like retiring and that kind of thing. You know, I got I just got my uh, my 401k a letter from my 401, 401k company. Oh. Well, yeah, yeah. But um 
they had to uh, they dumped one of the funds in the 401k and replaced it with another and then rebalanced everything. When you talk about diversification, I would think and maybe I'm wrong, but I would think that almost every investment company, every investment uh, arm of a bank or a, a brokerage or whatever the case may be, would always look at diversification as part of anyone's portfolio. Why mm-hmm. wouldn't you do that? And is there is there a time when you wouldn't want to be diversified? Well, f- but you, uh, as you sort of gifted at, you hit three questions. Um, <clears throat> a 401k, it's not your employer's job or the third-party administrator to make sure your portfolio is diversified. It's not their job to do that. And that's why you find so many people within their 401ks, their diversification is all screwed up. It's because they're doing themselves. And we see so many people say, well, look how great that one did last year. Then they buy into it. And in the old adage, folks, if you want to buy something that's going to stink next year, buy the one that did great last year. And, and so they're not they're not supposed to do that. Though an employer is supposed to give reasonable education um, and investment choices to the employee so they pass a, a rule called 404C that basically takes away their responsibility. They've done what they're supposed to do. And so with that, then you have so many mutual funds that have the you know the lifestyle or the age rated age related funds that, you know, this is retirement twenty thirty. If that's you're going to retire, you put your money inside of there. It gives you at least some diversification. I contend that it's not good, but it's giving you some diversification in the way. But the reason you see inside of your portfolio, you see growth and value and small and mid and large and international. You see all that stuff is part of that diversification. The unfortunate part is so many people just don't do that. So. Um, there's, uh, I think a lot of people maybe <clears throat> did it when they started the 401k, but then they don't even mess with it. Did I, nothing I, afterwards. I'll yeah. admit yeah. that I don't really make any changes to my 401k distribution and my diversification yeah. every year. I just sort of let it run the way it is. It, it's mm-hmm. been working out okay. As long as it diversified once, it, it really goes on for years if you diversify properly the right way to mm-hmm. begin with. Uh, where a lot of people make mistakes in the 401k, and folks, this is, boy, if you're listening, this is good stuff here because this is mistakes we see all the time. So you can go through with your current allocation um, and uh, get it all ready to go. And so you've got your small and your mid and your large and whatever the case may be. You have a diversification ready to go. But then your current contribution, the money coming out of your paycheck, goes only into the money market account. Wait, no, you can't do that. So the current contribution and current allocation have to look the same. And it's probably one of the number one mistakes we see when we see 401 Isn't that automatic, though? No, you have to elect it in almost all instances. Well, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't anybody not do that? Some people want to make sure they have their current money in one place, and some people want a dollar-cost average. Except that it's such a small percentage of people that most people don't do it and they don't think about it. Like you said, Tom, the money comes from my paycheck, it goes in the 401k, it's automatic, I don't look at it. Mm-hmm. The old romp appeal, set it and forget it type of stuff, yeah. which is good. But the unfortunate part is you don't watch what happens to diversification. So usually if you set up a portfolio and say, okay, here's how I'm going to have it diversified, and then you work with your financial advisor yourself and you set up, I want to have my current allocation and contribution of my check be the same thing, you typically don't have to do much for a long period of time. You look at it and say, eh, well, maybe I'm getting a little out of whack on this part and make some adjustments. Um, but for most people, they, they miss a couple of steps in there, and then eventually it goofs up. Now, if you have $10,000 in your 401k, not going to have much of an effect. If you've got seven hundred thousand in your four hundred one k, like you do, Tom, <laughs> no, he's uh, kidding, folks. He's kidding by a lot. It's, it's times two. Uh huh. Um, but but now now all of a sudden it's it's real money if something's not working right, and so so you, you got to chat with your financial advisor on that and say, boy, is my four hundred one k going the right direction? And if you're working with a financial advisor and they're not going to help you redistribute your four hundred one k, get a different financial advisor. They should be doing that, in my opinion. 
All right, 715-845-2155. We need to take a break. We'll come back with more. Phone lines are open. If you have a question for Merle about 401ks or anything else that's on your mind this morning, give us a call. We'll be right back on WSAU. Now, this day. Here's Chris Conley. This king went crazy on this day, January 16th. I am incredibly, incredibly proud to be a physician. got the password to access it. And passcode, yeah. And uh, apparently he's down to only <coughs> two more guesses. Two left, $260 million. <laughs> and he said, there's no way that I'm going to remember what this 10-bit uh, you know, uh, password is. Um, and he can't find it. He's on an old computer. He tried to get into that, and he can't get into it, and it's, it's going to be lost. Um, <clears throat> you know, again, Bitcoin makes nothing, creates nothing, produces nothing, generates no profit. It's nothing more than the... Well, the people willingness who, of the person next to you to buy it or sell it. The people who invest in Bitcoin probably look at Warren Buffett as a dinosaur that uh, they can ignore. Uh-huh. Um, but the interesting thing is, since the dawn of time, um, if you make something, you produce something, and you sell something, the weird part is you can't make you produce something less than what you sell it for on an ongoing basis and expect to keep doing it. Um, and, uh, and that's the instance. And so in here... If this is a, was a, you know, a bona fide company that actually had management and people running it, you'd have the ability to say, okay, this is really here, and uh, I can't find this. Let's find some other way we can authenticate who I am and have my money back. But instead, it doesn't exist, and there's no way to do that, and his money is gone. Any other banking system or financial institution, he wouldn't lose his money. And so now here it is. And so this is one of the problems that occurs inside of this. This is just the biggest one I've heard. I've heard of smaller ones before. This is the biggest one that I've heard in this type of an instance. You know, Bitcoin, of course, uh, you know, $40,000 range dropped down to some, uh, you know, thirty-four, dollars $35,000 range um, this past week. <clears throat> Bitcoin up to the thirty-seven-nine place. Um, but again, it's not an animal. You, you hear some of these places saying, we, we expect that it hit 140 And my first question is, why? <laughs> Yeah. Um, um, but it, 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 I understand why, I guess, but it doesn't make any sense for the bet. All right, let's go to the phone here this morning. Good morning. Who are we talking to? Whoop, let's see. How come I For Merle? There we go. All right, morning, go ahead. Ed. Yeah, uh, I, was, I heard you a couple, three weeks ago talk about uh, COVID stocks, and I just wondered, is it, are they still a halfway decent uh place to invest or do you think it's too late you'd be talking about like pfizer <laughs> and Moderna, yeah, the, 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 the vaccination pfizer. places yes. i think it's still a pretty good time and here's the reason i say that um ed you had a, a question in the conversation i've had and from stuff that i've read through cdc and some of moderna's uh, publications going out and the reason one of the reasons i think is gonna be some pretty good companies to continue to look at and again I don't know anything about your portfolio. I have to make sure I put all the compliance junk in there, Ed. But as far as the stock goes, I like it because, one, they're all sending, making hundreds of millions of doses that are going out right now. They're getting paid for it. You and I are, are, are at least designed not we're paying for it, but they're getting paid for those doses. But it appears as though until COVID is entirely eradicated, we might have to get a booster next year. So that means, Ed, that all the millions and billions of people around the world have to get it Another time. And if it's still not gone, guess what? We might have to get it a year later. You see my point. And so I don't think it's necessarily a bad idea. The other part of that is is the technology that's used. The technology that's used in doing this uh, mRNA type of sequencing that they did to create this vaccine can be used for other things. And so as a result of that, I think it's just going to open up a whole new way than how we develop vaccines and should, in theory, have the ability to develop vaccines for almost everything. So, Ed... 
great question. All right, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Uh, Johnson & Johnson, another one coming out with their vaccine, so that would be another one mm-hmm. on your list, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and uh, part of the same type of design, but just a little bit differently. And so they've all used a little different part of the uh, genetic sequence to keep it so that our body doesn't get sick. Um, and uh, some of the Moderna says that they suspect that theirs isn't, is going to be fine with the new strains. Um, another one, and I missed the name of the company, but it's one of the new ones that are coming around, and they just popped up and were approved by the EU. Uh, they said where they did their genetic strains shouldn't have matter what um, a COVID-19 strain or variant comes out. It doesn't matter. There's all going to work. Um, we'll see as, times, as time comes along. But um, the thing that we're protecting against are the spikes, so the spikes can't attach to our body. And ideally, the RNA should be able to fix that because the variants usually aren't there so much, at least, again, from my reading, folks, I'm not an expert. Um, and so if that's the case, uh, we believe, uh, uh, at least I believe, that this is going to be fine. Um, uh, even though we have the variants, I think it's the vaccines are still going to work for it. Just in a couple of minutes we have left, I wanted to talk about space tourism for a minute because you got two of the richest men in the world, and they were trading spots this week, Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk, of who was mm-hmm. the richest man. Elon Musk took a uh, took over the top spot, and then Tesla took a hit, and he went back behind Bezos. But yeah. they both have space companies, SpaceX for Musk, worth $89.1 billion, uh, the owner's network, and Blue Origin, owned by uh, by Bezos, his owner's net worth, $188 billion. Blue Origin said this week that their booster rocket is passing all of its tests, and if it passes one more, they could have tourists in space by this spring. Um, space tourism as an investment vehicle, Blue Origin and uh, and SpaceX. You like these companies? Not yet. Uh, th- this is my opinion, not yet. Um, I think eventually everybody who's adventurous is going to want to take a trip to space. You know, wh- why not? It would be kind of cool to try. Um, I just keep looking at the turbulence, and that's a whole other conversation. But you know, we look at this. Why not? But but like anything else, it's, it's got to have some sort of uh, proven time to it before people start saying, "Hey, this is going to work out well." And a price point you know, that most a lot of people are going to yeah, be able to afford. I mean, you know, if, if they want a uh, hundred thousand dollars to do it, Tom, uh, you and I aren't going. Right. You know. Right. But if they say, "Well, geez, for a thousand dollars, we'll take you up for a trip in space. You get to hang around and." Weightlessness, weightlessness for an hour, and then we'll bring you back down again. It, yeah, we'd probably do that. You know, it'd be a lot of fun to try and do something different. Uh, now, the fact that I don't like turbulence, maybe that might be something a little bit different. But, um, but uh, you know, I think it's going to be that direction. I think it's kind of the the stepping stone to uh, us doing um, uh, more travel. How I, does I this keep sp- thinking about Star Trek all the time? How does know. the space wing of those companies affect the other companies? How does SpaceX affect Tesla? How does Blue Origin affect Amazon, or don't they? I mean, just another I, spoke I in the wheel. Do. Yeah. I, I think for uh, Elon Musk, uh, SpaceX is just another revenue. I mean, they're they're making money, obviously, uh, putting other satellites and stuff inside of their rockets going up. It's a different in, in, entity. I think Blue Origins, I think, becomes, uh, um, in, unless uh, Bezos is going to be able to drop packages from space to have them land on your house, I'm not sure how this is going to be anything more than uh, uh, a, a dream for his and and maybe profitable at some point in time, but I can't see it coming relatively soon, at least. All right. Well, we're just about out of time for today. How can folks get a hold of you on Monday or Tuesday if well, you're taking we'll, Martin Luther King we, Day We'll off? be there on Monday. We uh, we uh, we don't markets are closed, but okay. yeah. Well, we still got people coming in, so um, you can stop in and visit us, Third Avenue and Bridge Street, Wasa. Come on in, kick the uh, coffee with uh, Mary, and uh, see if she can etch kick some glass. Kick the tire, you'll break. Or to kick the coffee, you'll break your toe, won't you? Is well, that, is that strong? Maybe I think she's just break the craft, and we'll start over. Maybe I don't know what it is. Strongest coffee in the world, folks. It tastes good, but boy, it kicks you. Uh, stop in to visit us. You can give us a call locally, 715-849-3600.
outside of the Wassa area, toll-free at 866-355-5100. Or find us online at kelchinassociates.com. All right, we'll talk to you again next week. Sounds fantastic, bro. Kelch, Kelch and Associates in Wausau. We've got the news on the way. The Polka Show's coming up. Don't forget Packer playoff football today. The Packers taking on the L.A. Rams from Lambeau Field. Packer game day begins at 1 this afternoon right here on WSAU.